Welcome to Behind the Blade Podcast, episode 39, one shy of 40. This is a very special episode. This is the result of exploring the internet of knife nerddom, and we are going to cover Knife Depot's top 20 iconic production knives of all time, and we have stories relating to just about each of them. So stay tuned and hear what we have to say about the living classics. All right, gang, Jim and I have got a very special episode. Woo! We are going to cover as many classic, iconic production knives as we can in this particular show. We have 20 allocated, and if they're, if we don't have enough time to get through all 20 of them, then we'll do it in a supplemental episode. But we're going to jump right into it. It's going to be broken in three segments just for the sake of break time and having a cigarette and taking a leak or something like that. However, we are going to cover... Starting with number one, and this is according to KnifeDepot.com. This was a crazy article that I found, and I was just kind of intrigued by it. And every one of the knives on the list, or virtually every one of the knives on the list, uh, I had a story relating to my personal life. And I'm sure Jim does too, so we're going to bang through these and go over what Knife Depot considers to be, what, what was the title? 20 Iconic Knives Every Knife Enthusiast Should Own. And this is in no way sponsored by Knife Depot or anything like that. I just thought it was a cool article. No, and this was a brilliant idea on I, your part, Matt. I mean, uh, I couldn't have asked for a better plan for this because we've got our we've got our we've got our intro, we've got our break times, and we've got ex- amazing content uh, to knives that not only do we normally just know and can recognize on site, but a vast majority of our of our listeners will be able to also dive right into and be like, oh yeah, I had one of those. Or 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 this one night I was gifted one time. Or, That's what makes them iconic, right? right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because they were so prolific because that they just went out to everybody. So um so we should probably go over the parameters for sure. set forth by the article writer. And there are four rules to this game basically. And mm-hmm. rule number one is it has to be a production knife. Rule number two is it has to still be in production. Three, easily recognizable to most knife users, which is kind of ambiguous, but... Well, I mean, but that hits the point that I was talking about, right? Yes. Yeah, is, that, right. Is, that, is, that, is that even if you've never seen it before, you have heard of it? You yeah, know, or, yeah, or, or vice versa, yes. right? right? Especially okay. with the groups on Facebook and stuff like that today. Right. I mean, chances are, if you're listening to the show, you would recognize at least 19 of 20 of these knives. Right. And the fourth rule is that they have to be game-changing. They have to be revolutionary in some respect. And as we get into this, you'll kind of get the rhythm of what we're talking about, and it'll make sense to you. So number one is the Victorinox oh. Classic SD Swiss Army Knife. Matt, Matt, I think I've had like four of these over the course of the years, just being gifted them, and then putting them on my keychain, and then and then losing them or giving them away or or something. And there's a ton of variants in this too. I think I had just the one the one pictured here, the basic one with your pen knife, your file, your and your the scissors, and the scissors, the scissors, the tweezers and the thing. And and uh, I've, I've, we've always had that. And then there were other like more latent models that had flash drives in them and then, I have one that on my yeah. key ring that's got a ballpoint pen in, right. in lieu yeah. of the tweezers or toothpick. I don't know. Right. It's which like one. a little slidey pen, right? It just yes. like it like a bolt action style. Exactly. Like it comes out and it pushes forward and I've written notes with the, with that before. Totally. And I it, mean it, it's it's a brilliant little innovation. Now it's not mm-hmm. this is not a Rambo knife by any means, no. right? You know what I mean? But this is the knife that you have on your keychain, this is the knife that you give kids as their first knife. Yep. It opens packages with deft precision. The uh, scissors are delegated to fingernail trimming duty pretty constantly. Much. Pretty much. I mean? But I've but I've cut out I've cut out stuff with those scissors before. It's I mean I mean just like a, just like a, whether whether it be knife designs or just like trimming something along totally. the line. It's just on your hip, on your keychain, ready to use. Loose then, threads. If you're getting ready to oh, go yeah, out, like absolutely. I'm really big on Irish pennants. Like it's a loose thread. Like I, I can't uh-huh. stand it. So <laughs> it, it, as opposed to using a lighter, I'll use those little scissors to just cut loose threads on my clothing before I go out. I always did that because I never trusted my luck with lighting my clothes on fire. That's <laughs> You do wear a lot of polyester. I do. I was going to say a lot of large lapels, leisure suits. <laughs> yeah, it goes up like a torch, man. <laughs> Especially when it hits my afro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, the tweezers and toothpick being mm-hmm. in a, an A, a shop environment, and B, a poor dental state, uh, <laughs> I use both of those things constantly also. So, I mean, this mm-hmm. is a no-brainer when it comes to iconic knives. Any Swiss Army knife 
could fill that role. And this one has actually been around, believe it or not, since 1935. And it is the most popular Victorinox Swiss Army knife mm-hmm. sold today. With with great reason. Yeah, absolutely. With great reason. Absolutely. And they're, they're cheap. They're yeah. expensive. I probably have six of them laying around the house right. in various places. Yeah. It's super cool. All right, on to number two. What do we have, Jim? We have the Case Trapper, which is actually one of my favorite patterns in slip joints of all time. Really? The, the two-blade uh, the, with the clip point and the, the spay? Two-blade, clip point, and spay. You get two regular blades instead of instead of one main blade and two other blades that you barely use right right <laughs> which which i'm sure i'm sure I'm, I'm actually probably in the minority on that one but i always used both blades all the time and like when i when i uh i bought my first slip joint kit to try to start um, learning um learning the construction and everything it was a case trapper perfect it was a case living trapper up knife. to the iconic yeah, yeah absolutely because that was my favorite thing i mean i've seen them in all sorts of different styles this this one uh in the picture is particularly a gun stock but i've seen them in serpentine i've seen them in all i've seen them in moose and just straight you know so, just straight patterns and in my opinion the thing about the mm-hmm. trappers the two-bladed knives you know same sided two-blade mm-hmm. knife right is I love using one for food prep and one for utility. Sure, yeah. And, and that's where the versatility really comes out because, uh, when, like you said, when there's 11 blades in there of various length, I don't, I'm not <laughs> that well-versed that I'm like, oh, good, this is where I use the sheep's foot. You know what right, I mean? Right, exactly. But no, having a spear point and a clip point, I think that was put out by uh, Nesmuk, right? Yes. Was that a Nesmuk Yeah, that, that, yeah. Was, that was a Nesmuk thing where we first started doing that dramatic drop-off thing. Not talking about the the Earl of Warncliffe and how he, he right. had, yeah, he yeah, had exactly. that whole thing. Yeah. Miss, but miss, but, as far as, but as far as the culture of knives in Western civilization as we know it today. Yes. I mean, so this this plays a huge part in it. And, and you know, the 10-year-old me still just loves that spay point. Just really? Love it. You're a Spayblade guy. Oh, I'm, I'm totally a Spayblade guy for no other reason than 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 look at the tip. It's got that. Yeah, but they give me the heebie-jeebies. It's, it's just... meant for castration, and so I just have this weird like I don't know that I need a castration knife in my pocket. Like it creeps me out. It creeps. It creeps the whole vicinity out. The whole pocket vicinity I, gets. I, I know nervous. I know that's the intended usage of it, but I'm just like, but I'm just like, it looks cool. It does. I mean, yeah, so, it's a unique blade yeah, profile. It, it looks cool. I mean, I always liked it. So, um, so uh, one of the first slips that I ever built out of a kit, I actually left out the uh, the, uh, the the California clip, and just made it single blade with the spade bed. Spade Whoa. blade. And, uh, and I wish I still had it. I think I gave it away to a girlfriend forever ago, like 20 years ago or whatever. They always but, get the best stuff. Yeah, they do. The accent <laughs> stupid. <laughs> but, and but, the case, case Trapper, just to touch on a, a point of history, um, been around since the 1920s. Yeah. We're going on 100 years of this pattern. It's 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 nearly there, man. And and uh, it's absolutely one of my top favorite slip joint patterns of all time that's cool is, is the case trapper it's super cool i don't think i've ever actually had one no you never no, had one i have a well, i think i have a, is a stockman the three yeah, blade yeah and so i think i have a case stockman okay so it's close blade. yeah it's close so it's but close. not but i do have a great eastern uh i think it's a 54 moose okay but it's same sided spear point and uh clip point gotcha so gotcha. I think that's that still cool though as close as it gets and yeah. i love that knife i got that at blade a couple gotcha years i think ago. i actually have a couple of these i think i have like case trappers from the 80s oh cool. like like with solid walnut handles and i think the ones that i have are not equal end bolsters they only have the front bolster oh gotcha i so, do like so equal end bolster. I, I i i don't know I, th- I think my dad stole my uh my, my slip joint roll so i'd have to find it <laughs> right but but, but yeah they're super cool Usually it's the other way around. Usually right? you steal knives yeah. from your dad. Not right. The other way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. So number three, we are looking at the Kershaw Leak. Absolutely. Now, I happen to have, I think I have three to four of these in my household yeah. too. I've had a couple myself of, uh, of the Kershaw Leak. And, uh, and man, I just got to say, I am both surprised that it's on this list. And also not surprised that it's on this list because of because of the proliferation yes. of it. So it's at a cheap price point. It's also a flipper, and it's spring assisted. Spring is or yeah, it's spring assisted, and it's at a really really good price, and it looks really good. How often do you come across that perfect combination? No, I guess that's right? that's what makes so, it iconic. It's comfortable. Yeah, and it's it comfortable. works well. Usable. Yeah, you can actually usually take this knife and you can use it. And Kershaw's a great brand. ZT Kai USA, yep. you know, is the parent company. Um, um, really knew what they were doing when they put this knife out. And it was like, I'm not sure if they even really knew what they were doing when they put this knife out. But uh, but from a business standpoint, it was a brilliant 
move. This is this is a great knife. It's one of the things that puts Ken Onion at the top of the game is is how he can make kind of a racy, broad appealing, functioning knife. You know, I to mm-hmm. me, my favorite Ken Onion design is going to be the O three fifty. Sure, like that to, yeah. that is my Kershaw leak. That's gotcha. a, a zero tolerance version, and it's a little bit taller in every way. But these things are they're so gentlemanly in the fact that they're slim yep they fit comfortably in a pocket they're very effective for edc use it's a little bit on the small side for my personal taste mm-hmm. uh, but i like i said i have like i think i have four well i mean yeah. Yeah, you still find yourself using them though and, yep. and 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 even though even though we're more edc guys where we'd like a three and a half inch you know four inch blade whether it's whether it be fixed or folder you know we we, we would still find ourselves using this with um, some type of alacrity. It, it's you know, on absolutely. my it's on my drafting table right now. Okay. Like I, I use it, I probably uh, use it forty times a month. Perfect. You know what yeah, I mean. But I just absolutely. don't carry it. Right? No, you know no, absolutely. I mean? But yeah. but you pick it up and it's a quick edge. And, yes. you, and you use it and you put it down. What more do you need out of a knife? Love it. Yeah. It's cool. Absolutely. All right. So number four is the old timer eight Oscar Tango Senior Stockman. Right. So so this this is cool. I think I've got myself one of these as well. But uh, but it's definitely one of Schrade's most iconic knives. It is. It has been out since 1960. Oh, really? My mom oh, yeah. bought me one of these when I was probably 16 or 17 years old. Oh, that's awesome. We, yeah. were, at, we were at the store, and I kind of fell mm-hmm. in love with it. And she purchased it for me, and I had it. And it was one of those things that just kind of was in the junk drawer, and then it would get carried once in a while, and then it would be on a desk mm-hmm. or it would be on a counter or whatever it is. And uh, I would say two years ago, mm-hmm. I was visiting a friend of mine in Arizona, and I noticed that he's picking my t- his teeth with my old rusty Schrade <laughs> old timer. And I was like, hey, where did you get that? And he's like, oh, when you moved, I found it. <laughs> and I was like, well, this wasn't a parking lot. This was my house. You can't just find something and call it your, what else of mine do you have? And it turns out it was a significant amount of items. And I, I took them all back and I said, you know what? Just keep the old timer and I'll, I'll get yeah. it back from someday. But yeah, I totally had the exact knife as mm-hmm. depicted on the, on the knife depot website. And I, I liked it. it. There was something about it, especially the 16 year old me really gravitated towards it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a 100% usable knife. Classic, well, what, right? what, what size is the, uh, the frame on that? Is that a four inch frame? No, I don't. I would be surprised. Three and a half. Uh, yeah. Three. Yeah. Three and a half. Three. I gotcha. wonder if it calls it out in here. Um, no, uh, I don't it, think it does. It does not. No, yeah. it does not. But but it's about that size. It's not yeah. it's not the, like the bigger ones. No, it, yeah. it's actually pretty diminutive. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's still super usable. It's cool. It's a fifth pocket knife. If you're a jeans guy, yeah. that change pocket on your Levi's. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh, man, slips right in. Just that. drops right mm-hmm. in. And you're like, and it does have the sheep's foot, the spay blade, and a clip point. And man, that's spay blade. It's it's pretty cool. <laughs> so what's cool with these is you can actually regrind all these blades to like a zero edge mm-hmm. and have one hell of a fine whittler. Yeah, which absolutely. you can get a decent one by resharpening the factory edges or whatever. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you regrind these, I did these. Uh, I did one of these. It was a Gerber. I don't know one of their classic series, but it was a Stockman like this. And John from Copus Designs mm-hmm. uh, brought it over, and he and I both kind of reground it, which is scary on these little tiny knives. Oh yeah, there's nothing there. Oh, it's quick. <laughs> yeah, you start with a 220. You know what I mean? So 220 grit belt. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we did that, and it turned into the most killer whittler for his dad, and nice. uh, that was a really fun project. That's awesome. Beautiful all right, knife. All right, number five, Jim, bring us in. What is this? We have Matt Martin. <laughs> Where's my epic music? No, uh, we have um, number five on this list is the Chris Reeves Sebenza. And the, the picture on the Knife Depot article is the large 21, I'm assuming. This is the large 21 because yeah. the small one, it was really just a reduction. But it is still a great knife. I mean, it's very, very smooth when it opens. I love the finish. I love how sharp it is. I have one of the newer ones where they were doing a S35 VN at 58 Rockwell. Yeah. So so the edge, you know, just continuously lasts. I mean, that was uh that was good on Sebenza that when they started getting the complaints about the different heat treats and stuff, they were they adapted to that and changed it. Yep. And then they came right back out and went and they went, "Fine, we up the Rockwell. Now you don't have those problems." And then they hit the mark. Perfect. It was great. I have the 25? Yeah, the 25 yeah. with the uh with the with the um what is it called? The uh, the Warncliffe style blade right no actually it's a no? it's a it's a clip or drop like this one is it just has the second finger groove right and, kinda... and the ball bearing construction nope right it's actually it's still oh, it doesn't it's, it's, no, it's still the... washers yeah oh. and it uh... no 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 i mean i mean the ball bearing in the uh in the lock bar oh the detent yeah ball? The detent. yeah yeah, yeah okay. i think it does have the detent gotcha. ball. yeah mm-hmm. and it's a, a thicker blade and ground it's hollow ground on a really large wheel from what yes. i understand yeah and i got this knife 
I think much to the chagrin of uh, the late, great Derek Bone, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was asking Derek uh, in Mike Stewart's office, in your dad's office, mm-hmm. I was asking Derek, I said, hey, uh, what kind of pricing can you give me on one of these large 25s? I really like this knife. And mm-hmm. I, at being an iconic knife, I really wanted to have one. And then Mike, your dad, reaches into a drawer and he pulls one out. And he throws it at me and he goes, here, now you have one. I think that knife was on loan from Derek to yeah. Mike. And I think he basically gave me Derek's knife. It's, it's possible. It's I still, possible. Yeah. I still have it carry it to this day. I actually, I put a killer edge with the KME. It's the mm-hmm. first knife I, I sharpened on my KME you, system. You went right to the Spenza. I went right. I, I That's was like, awesome. Okay, fancy cool. sharpening system, fancy knife. Let's see what we can do. And four and a half hours later, I got a pretty sweet edge out of it. <laughs> I've since gotten faster with the KME. Of course, <laughs> yeah. A little bit more proficient. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure I... I'm pretty sure your dad gave me Derek's events. <laughs> you can just see the look on his face, just like, hmm. Well, th- that, and he, he kind of stole the sale. So there was just a lot of comedy right there. So I was getting ready to buy one. Right. And they were like 425 bucks at the oh, time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was getting ready to buy one. Mike undercut the sale, and I'm pretty sure it was on loan. So I, it was it was a, a funny yeah. moment, and it was all good. Everybody was there and laughing, and we were all kind of ribbing each other over it. But yeah, that's my story with the Sabanza. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. All right, moving on. We got the uh, oh. dude, the knife that we have mentioned so many times on Behind the Blade podcast. Oh, one of my all-time. Oh favorites. my god! Uh, what? Uh, hold on, hold on. I got. I got to look at my notes because we wrote this down. We did. What? Apparently, I didn't write down the stuff that I was thinking about, but we covered. <laughs> but you wrote something. <laughs> but I wrote something. Apparently, it wasn't even important. But to keep you guys even even further suspense, it's the Buck Model One Ten Folding Hunter. We have covered this knife so many times. They've come out with it in so many different varieties. There's the auto that opens. It's the same. Same size. There was the fifty year, um, fifty year anniversary so edition. So that's of it. what's up on the screen right now. Right, is the, right, right. That's the one I own. That, like, oh, so with, with the badge. My buck with, with the shield is a fifty year. I actually hate that friggin' badge. <laughs> I can't stand it, and I can't wait to take it out and replace it with something cooler. But I just haven't brought myself to do it yet. Gotcha, no. gotcha. Well, you have to, you have to, you have to hand engrave a little Louis. And then and then replace it. Yeah, so I mean, I feel weird about putting my logo on other knives. Y- you should. <laughs> that, I agree. That would, that would mean you're a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, at least I got that going for me. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the only thing that I can say. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing that puts me in the normal category. But, but uh, it's a three and three quarter inch blade length on this guy. Brass 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 bolsters front oh. and back on this guy, and it is a solid solid good knife especially for its price. And like yeah. the price is like a secondary feature. The knife on its own is a solid knife. You know what the Buck 110 does? Yep. What's that? That very well, I don't know. There's when you unwrap a brand new Buck 110, yeah. You get this new knife enthusiasm. <laughs> like when you open it, everything is finished flawlessly everything fits and is polished and radius I mean, I mean, the the fit is really good the I mean, sound yeah. when you open it clack you know yeah. what i mean and it has just this new knife pop like i honestly i could get a buck 110 every month and and i would be fine with it like i'd be like a new 110 like you buy new boots and they suck Mm-hmm. It takes you months before your boots are good. Yep. You buy a new Buck 110, and you're like, oh, my God. It's like, it. I don't know. It's a discovery every time I open one. And my wife, uh, Jenna, actually got me this 50-year anniversary uh, on our anniversary. Oh, that's cool. That was yeah. her anniversary present to me, uh, mm-hmm. 2014. Yeah, I guess. 2014, 14, nice. I think, nice. I think so, yeah, yeah. Is that right? 1963, so maybe 2013, you know, the 50th. Sure, sure. But yeah, that, that, so that's the one that I Overstock from the following year. Yeah, probably. From the previous year, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's okay, it works. That's how I roll. <laughs> Still cool, though. Uh, and Buck has sold 15 million of oh, these things. Oh, my God. I mean, they come, with a, they come with a decent leather sheath. I mean, it goes right on your belt. It's absolutely a user's knife, especially if you're a fixed-blade user. If you're a fixed-blade user, you will... Th- I mean, I've said this about other folders before. It was Brian Efros's, um Fire... That I think that's he one had. of his models. Yeah, one, one, one of his models. When when you opened it and you clacked it open, it was one hundred percent a fixed blade lovers folder. Gotcha. Yeah, I, mean, I can mean, understand that it, sentiment. For right, sure. and uh, that's something that I that I hold true, and it's a little bit of a standard 
that that I kind of hold knives to. That if it's a folder, is it a fixed blade knives folder? Oh, you interesting know, criteria. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, and I think that uh, I think that's important, especially coming from where we are. Yes. Um. Um. So, but the Buck One Ten absolutely drops into that category. It's, you could. It's totally cool. You could. I would say like the Buck One Ten and the K Bar Navy Mark Two. Yeah, one hundred percent. Those yeah. those two knives should be baseline. Yep. And everything you have should be. If they're more expensive, and anyways, right, everything you have more expensive that should be relatively improved upon those two. Those right, exactly. are TNT, and oh, everything well, is measured against well, TNT. Well, there you go. There's your there's your baseline. If you're wondering about how to test knives and how to find out where you are and where you like stuff, you would get the Buck One Ten Folding Hunter for small to medium tasks. Yep, and then you would get the USMC Navy Mark Two yep. for the medium to large tasks. That's it. And and then everything else on top of that, you've got a nice baseline for what you would like to discover after that. Yes. And you will discover things after that because so many people out there have so many different ideas. Absolutely. And and, uh, and it's just it's just one hundred percent positive for everybody involved. Yep. You know, doing that. So if you want to start your journey, man, that's what you do. Those would be a great that's two cool. first knives. Yeah, you know that's I mean? that's yeah. cool. Totally Absolutely. cool. All right, moving on. Spider Co. Endura Four. Oh, Man, I love this these is, knives. This is a great knife, and I love this knife because because I, I had one. I had one for for a very long time, and it was the original Japanese one. Right, right. It was the original Japanese. I think they're one. all still Japanese made. Oh uh, well, I I mean I mean the uh, let me rephrase that. It was all stainless. Oh, right. So it was stainless scales, and it was the. I remember it, that. Right, knife. you remember that? Oh, I, I, I gave it away. I know, and I hate you for <laughs> it. <laughs> I wouldn't have hated you if you gave it away to me, <laughs> but since it wasn't, I'm like. Bro, <laughs> that dude, was a sweet dude. knife, and, and it was. It totally was. Oh, I want to. I want to find another one. Yeah. at some point. But, but um, I, I'm under. I'm under the impression that the, the, the president of the company that makes the Endura Four personally inspects every knife that leaves the shop. Sal. Glasser? No, no, the Japanese company. That oh, makes oh, okay. Yeah. I, was, I don't see like, Sal doing that. No, no, <laughs> no offense, Sal. You're a great guy. I just don't see him looking. <laughs> Not when they come in. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that the, the the OEM company that makes them, gotcha. Yeah, you know, personally inspects everyone. Out of Second City, yeah. And uh, and he does he does an absolutely fantastic job. And I was really blown away for what, what are these sixty bucks? Yeah, they're, they're sixty bucks. I've bought these off Amazon. The drop ship them to friends. I've you know I had one for myself that I wish I never given away because the, the thing is just a solid knife and it weighs nothing. It weighs nothing, and, and it, uh, it you can wear it um, any way you want. Tip up, tip down, left, right doesn't matter. Yes, because it's got the 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 screw holes on the front and back, both sides. You can do it however you like. There's a ton of aftermarket options Yep. for as well deep carry pocket clips. You, you can, can put like scales. a karambit ring on it and stuff yeah. like that now. Like yeah. It's crazy all, stuff yeah. that they have for it. All sorts of stuff for it. And the thing is, they're it's just cool. And they've been and, around since 1990. And, yeah. and this is really the pioneer of mm-hmm. the modern tactical folder, Absolutely. starting with the clip it originally, right? Which yeah. is carried by Navy SEALs and countless <laughs> stories and accounts. So it's kind of cool. Um, we, I was telling Jim off air, I, I picked one of these up at Kadena Air Base in Okinawa, and that was my field knife. I, I don't know if I'd lost, or maybe I flew into country without a knife, being worried about restrictions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I OSP'd it. And that's what I carried on the ranges on Schwab, Hanson, Lester. Uh, I think we even did some work on Foster, on all these ranges out in the jungle in Okinawa, these bombing ranges, artillery ranges. And that was my field knife for everything. Oh, it's cool. And yeah. then when I came back to the States... Uh, we were at Vandenberg Air Force Base, and we had just fired up a, our rental Ford pickup truck, getting ready to go out to do a surface sweep or whatever. And it was cold. We're warming the truck up. Me and my buddy Donnie are standing by the tailgate, and we hear the truck doors lock. Now, the keys <laughs> are in the ignition. We're not, like, leaning on the lock button. But now the truck is running, and it's locked, and we're supposed to be at work very uh-huh. soon in like the next 12 minutes. And you're like, Oh no, I had my Endura four on me and I stuffed it between the roof line and the door. And mm-hmm. believe it or not, that little FRN handle, I was able to pry the door open oh, on this crazy pickup truck. FRN handle. Yeah. Oh. To be able to get a coat uh-huh. hanger in there and unlock it. That's what got us to work. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. That is pretty sweet. Yeah, so I love that knife. I, I, I want another one. I, don't know why I haven't bought another one because they are pretty cheap. Yeah. It's just, but I have the military and I feel like, eh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you can always have one more and yeah. it's not like it's super expensive. Tell me about it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, why don't we take a break real quick and then we will see you guys after the break. You know, Jim, a uh, few things in this world 
especially if you don't have a knife grinder or a motorcycle, are more meditative than sharpening. I understand that there's a lot of guys out there who get their own sense of personal zen from from sharpening their knives however they do it, whether it be freehand or even by a system. It's repetitive and it is it yields a result and there is a little bit of a struggle to get to that terminal edge all the time, you know what I mean, before you yeah. curl that burr up. Well, absolutely, because you're, you're taking all sorts of like small, fine micro-adjustments and you're really diving into the minutiae of exactly what it is that you're doing. The pressure, the point of clamping, you know, from marking the edge. And one thing that I have found that kind of helps lend to that, not that it's training wheels, but it's a way to remove some of the variables is by using my KME guided sharpening system because I can clamp up and I know that by going through the motions, it allows my mind to kind of wander and I get to focus on the things that are going on currently in my life and kind of overcome some mental or psychological obstacles, if you want to call them that. And in the process of that, what the result is, is this insanely sharp tool that I get a lot of gratification out of until the next time I get to sit down and go through this whole Zen process once again. Absolutely. It, it, uh, what it ends up doing, and I'm sure you guys have already um, experienced this to some sort of extent, but you end up having your mind split two ways. You Nothing exists for your personal actions except for what you are doing on this knife. And your brain is processing recent events in your mind. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. uh, I would recommend for your own mental health and tool maintenance going to kmesharp.com and checking out where you can purchase one of these guided systems. And trust me, it'll do you a world of good, especially as we move into the winter months when motorcycle riding is virtually out of the question, depending on what region you live in. And unless you are a knife maker that gets to belly up to the wheel, and even me as a professional knife maker who bellies up to the wheel for 8 to 10 to 12 to 14 to 16 hours a day, I still find some comfort in the repetitious motion and the Zen practice of putting a mirror polished bevel on the tools that I use every day. So go check them out, kmesharp.com, and be sure to let them know that the yogis at Behind the Blade podcast sent you. And we are back after that brief break. Uh, we're going to jump into what is number eight on the website. I don't think these are in any particular order because I think this should definitely round out the top five most iconic knives of all time. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely. the K-Bar USMC Utility, better known as the Navy Mark II as made by the company k And we absolutely covered this knife, the Navy Mark II, which I did not write down. Oh, we didn't write down what no, episode? I, I did oh. not write down. I remember looking at it. And if you give me just a split second here, we can absolutely find this knife. Or did we already talk about this? Nope, there's the, there's the Gerber, Gerber Mark II. II yeah. We talked about the Gerber Mark II. But I know... Oh, there it is. 13. Epis- 13. Episode 13, the Navy Mark series. We did all of the knives in the series. One, two, and three. One, yeah. two, and three. And um, so obviously the two is in there, and there is more history pertaining to this beautiful knife then as well and that is a that is still issued to this day it's timeless timeless pattern it is and Mm -hmm. you know a funny story i just got my first k bar what this year this what yeah you i've only had camillus (laughs) or ontario navy mark twos to this point never never a k bar never a k bar. oh okay gotcha i just got my first one and i can say you know without equivocation that it is a little bit tighter a little bit more refined a nice. little bit better crafted than its counterparts oh really yep. so that, that's your upper echelon uh it was I, the original come the, to find the, out the yeah yeah really that, yeah. that's awesome i was surprised I, I was really i didn't have super high expectations of it there are some design cues that i find <laughs> personally offensive that matt, matt and i were talking about that and it violates it violates some of our personal devi- design cues that we would never do but i, I mean Okay, I'm gonna. Okay, once I say this, you guys are never gonna unsee it. So I, I'm. I don't, know, I don't know. Maybe we should leave them in suspense, right? Just, just like, just like, what are they talking about? There's something fundamentally wrong with that knife. You're gonna have to figure it out for yourself. <laughs> just look at a side shot; it'll jump out at you. It, it, yeah, if if, uh, if you've ever designed knives before, this is one glaring thing. If that, you've ever looked at knives before. 
<laughs> yes, but that being said, this is still an awesome knife. It does not affect the functionality of what we're talking about. Reed, what we're talking about is just talking about aesthetics. Read at Northstar Trading Post is having a conniption right He's now. He's like, yes, uh, God! No, he, he hates them. He hates them. Oh, oh, does he, Oh, God. Oh, he hates, yeah. you, know, you know what? You're right. He does because because I was thinking that he liked them, but I was thinking about the Cataragus. Yeah, yeah. 225Q. Right. Oh, 225Q. He loves that knife. But yeah. he hates. He hate and he's a marine. He's a yeah, former I know. marine. I know. And he absolutely. Uh, happy Marine Corps birthday, Reed. By the way, I know you're listening. Uh, I think you guys are 243 mm-hmm. this year, and to all you marines, especially out there. you, Reed. Yeah, yeah. I'm just but, jo- yeah. <laughs> just joking, sir. They're stupid Mark twos. Yeah, and he hates them. But there is, I mean, there are very few knives that are more iconic than this one in particular that are still in production today. I mean, it hits all the cues mm-hmm. and uh, you guys can go back to what was it, episode 13? 13 to get the full dope on them. But it's just a killer field knife in my opinion. And everything going back to the buck 110, everything that you seek out in a fixed blade had better be an improvement on the Navy Mark two. If it costs a dollar more. Absolutely. Especially, especially near and dear to my heart because I absolutely freaking love of love hidden tank fixed blades. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Handle, I mean, so, so I see it. that, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, my, my, my heart is just going. It's still my beating heart. <laughs> All right, what do we have next? All right, and, and, and I've held a couple of these. I do like this knife. It is a solid freaking knife. The Emerson CQC Seven. That's right. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Emerson's got the, uh, the the patent on the wave on the top, so it absolutely deploys very quickly. Um, do you know where the wave came from? Uh, no, I don't. Where? So the CQC-6, I'm pretty sure, is where it started. Yep. Uh, uh, that was close quarters combat, and the 6 was a designation for SEAL Team 6. Yep. I think you can still get the CQC-6, can't you? They're custom? customs, and they're but, expensive, like 1200 bucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're not cheap. Oh. Uh, the 7 was supposed to be the production version mm. of that knife. But uh, as he developed it for the Navy SEALs uh, to be used as a field folder, basically, a tactical folding knife, which he's got a lot of design cues from Bob Terzula. Um, mm-hmm. That's no secret. I mean, you can see a lot of Terzula influence. You see a lot of it in there. In Ernie yep. Emerson's work. Yep. But what he did is he designed a blade catch to act as like an upper quillion guard. Yeah. And that the guys found out that if you manipulate that upper guard just right, it opened the knife and deployed it automatically on withdrawal from the pocket. <laughs> that's a happy surprise. A star was born. <laughs> he patented it, made some adjustments to it so that it operated more functionally as right. an opening device as opposed to just a blade catch. And and boom, there you go. And that was in 1990, I want to say, or around... First designed in 1989. 89, CQC6. okay, yeah. CQC6 was in 89. The 7 obviously followed after that. So that would make sense, mm-hmm. yeah. So around that era, but it's, it's really... Uh, a hell of a good knife. Um, the earlier ones were titanium liners, G10 scales, mm-hmm. uh, chisel ground, really tough. Not a lot of frills, just an all-around utility knife. Yeah. I, I carried a Commander, a 99 Commander. I picked up mm-hmm. uh, at a gun show while we were out at Fort Benning, and I had I carried it all the way until probably about two, three years ago. In fact, I sold it in a way you know to what, finance our move. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember this. You were, you were, yeah, that's right. That's yep. right. And I think you regret it. To this day, I well, you know, and not just any commander, but the ninety nine specifically yeah. was. I, I've had other commanders, and they they just didn't live up to it. I've done a lot of stuff with that knife, mm-hmm. and I really liked it. Now I have a CQC eight Horseman, okay, which okay, I'm kind of ambivalent to. I feel like it's more handle than blade, and it's really disproportionate. I love the yeah. blade profile, but the handle is too big, so I may go for like an A one hundred or something. But I I'm kind of a I used to be a diehard Emerson fan. Mm-hmm. Now I'm kind of like a dilettante Emerson fan. Gotcha. <laughs> Word of the day. So that's about where I'm at. Yeah. Totally cool. I also want to point out the mini CQC7 models. They took, 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 they took the whole thing and scaled it down. To a very and reasonable EDC size. Right, yeah. right. Not ridiculously small, like like we see some people do, but this is just like an absolutely usable smaller knife. Like so a it's, Spyderco Delica, I yes, would say. Yes, actually. Like, like a Delica to an Endura. Right? Absolutely. 100%. Next on the list... This is a classic knife. The the Schrade Old Timer 1520T Sharp Finger. I hate this knife. <laughs> I was wondering what your reaction was going to be because I knew that you hated this knife. I hate this knife. But, but the thing is, whether or not you hate it, it's still an iconic knife, and they sold the crap out of these knives. Ugh. They really did. They were everywhere. 3.3-inch upswept blade. You know, super super thin, fine point for getting in where you need to go. And a lot of guys were carrying it as belt knives for, did, for just general utility. EDC work, man. Yep, and EDC to work. me, it looks like every knife maker's first knife. 
That, and it looks like it started out as a different knife, and they just kept grinding it away until they had something passable. And that's I, only because you and I have both done that on occasion. Oh God, just, yeah. I just still do like, it. Just yeah. like, well, what if I just did this? Maybe it'd look okay. Okay, fine. Now it's passable. I hate. I can't stand this knife. <laughs> I remember the first 50 knives I made looked nothing like what I designed right, by the yeah, time exactly. I got done. But, this look like but, the picture. but anyway, this was a, this was intentioned to look this yep. way. God <laughs> this bless was, them. It was intentioned to look this way. The handles came in like a, a couple different colors of Delrin, and I think they had stag later on, or or I maybe so. maybe maybe um, yeah. But um, this is this is this is a very iconic knife. I remember when uh, when Schrade closed, we bought a bunch of these blades off of auction, and uh, we ended up making different styles um, of the sharp finger as. As our knives, you, you made totally different we, knives out we, of that we, pattern, we, which we there did. isn't yep. much meat on the bone. And I've seen some of the knives in your guys' early days that you made out of old sharp finger blanks. Oh yeah, and they're good knives. I, I think they're better than the. And I'm not <laughs> being, you know, like uh, I don't know how to say it without swearing. There you bias. go. Bias. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Matt has some bias against the sharp finger here. We understand this. Right. Oh, no, well, no, and I'm not blowing smoke up your keister. That's no, what no, I was no, trying right, to say. exactly. Yeah, yeah right, no. I thought they came out pretty sweet, but uh, uh, the knife. As a whole, it it looks like it's been sharpened for a hundred years the first day you take it out of the box. I bet you this was a cool knife before Granddad took it to a rock. It's like, what do you mean it's still new? (laughs) No, but this is uh, it tickles a lot of people's fancy, and uh, and and it does have a certain appeal to to uh, to the to this thing. Oh, oh, Matt, that's sticking his finger in his mouth. He's about to go bulimic. Oh God. All right, next knife. But, but yeah, no, it's cool. It, and, and, and I think I think going back to that real quick, I really do think that it deserves a place on this list as being an iconic knife because it was extremely popular. It's very recognizable. Oh, yeah. No, I would pick so, it out of a lineup, no doubt. For sure. Yep. For sure. Okay. Number 11, Matt Martin. We've covered this knife before. Oh. It is the Open L number 7. I tell you what, I have a, we, Jim and I both have an Open L number 8. Um, we did a whole episode on open L's and I have fallen so deeply in love with this knife, not as an EDC, but exclusively, it actually sits in my mess kit as a camp kitchen knife. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Nothing slices vegetables and meat finer. I mean, it acts like a high grade chef's knife out in the field and I am smitten with this knife. My wife is smitten mm-hmm. with this knife and it is our go-to camp kitchen knife. I mean, knife. I mean, there's something there's something with when you when you twist to unlock the lock. Or okay, hold on. First thing I got to mention about this knife is that we covered it in episode 30. <laughs> yes. Oh, there you go. Perfect. So, yeah. so by all means, by all means, check that out. Okay. Now back to this. <laughs> so, so there's something really cool about picking it up or out of the, out of the sheath or out of your pocket or out of your toolkit, twisting the unlock thing, which was induced in the, uh, introduced in the early 2000s. <laughs> the, oh no, the, the, right? the lock. The, Hang on. So the, there's the, a cutaway on the on the handle side that allows it to lock close. That's what I'm talking about. The collar itself was brought to be in 1890. Yes, yes. The yeah. collar was 1890 yeah. for sure, for sure. But the but the closed lock yes. is what I was talking about. So you yes. untwist that till to the open spot. You pull the blade out. There's just something fancy about it, man. It, it's smooth. Th- there's just something smooth about it. Something super because there's there's no washers or anything. It's just wood. But but it just opens buttery smooth until then. You could feel it stop and then you just torque it. Either way, and it wedges the collar wedges itself underneath there, and it's a solid knife, amazing for slicing. Uh, it's not something that you're going to jam into a piece of wood and try to baton with. It's something that you're going to, you know, you know, shave with, you know, yes. you know, shave with, or chop with, or or uh, or cut up an onion, or some potatoes, or exactly. or something with. It it is a it is a basic user knife that is all knife. And well over a hundred years well old. Well over a hundred years old. Time tested design, one hundred percent. They're 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 easy to sell due to the price point. They're cheap. They're, yeah, they're very inexpensive. They're, they're easy to make. I'm I, I'm really convinced. I have no idea if this is true or not, but I'm really convinced that the channel in the piece of wood that's made for it is made with a table saw and a guide. <laughs> right. You know, just like zip done, and then there it is. You know, just the kerf that's gone. <laughs> right. You know, it's just, and then the blade's just censored in that, and. And it's just cool. If you don't have one, what are you doing, man? Get out there. I would get one. I would say the Open L is to the Buck 110 what the Mora is to the K-Bar. 
Okay. So I, would, I can get behind that. If you wanted two yeah. two iconic kits, you'd have an open L and a Mora. Right. Or you'd have a Buck 110 and a K bar. Right. <laughs> and that would be like your European and US counterpart. Right. Basically. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah no, that's, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Um, no, but the, it's it's a great, great knife. And everybody needs to have one. I think any any yeah. knife enthusiast should have one. Just pony up the twelve bucks. Or, or get not, the not even just a knife enthusiast, just like as somebody who does things with a knife. Yes. I mean, you will find that this is an exceedingly usable knife. And it's just cool to use because it's it's cool. It's just it's just And historic awesome. yeah. and you it, know what I mean. It has a massive history yep. to it. Yeah. I mean it's very cool. Agreed. So going on to the next one, this is an awesome knife. Time tested, sold a million of them. Or probably way more than that, yeah, actually, no by deal. now, actually. No deal. Uh, you know, I use that as a euphemism, but, <laughs> you know, it, it is the Lots. Uh, number 12 in this list is the Benchmade Griptilian. Mel Pardue, man. Iconic knife, yeah. Mel yep. knew what he was doing mm-hmm. when he put this thing together. And this was the knife for Benchmade that, number one, really brought them to market in the folder world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also was the pioneer of the Axis Lock in the Benchmade line. Yes, it was, it was, it was right in the beginning of the Axis Lock. When was that? When was that? 1988. It was introduced. Crazy. That which was, which was, which was awesome. It's super cool. And I was seven. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not even. I'm not even sure how old I was. Four. <laughs> yeah. I think it was four. So, so, so the nice thing about the Axis Lock, it serves, it serves two things. Both, you know, from my perspective as a maker and as somebody as who's who's a knife lover, the the Axis Lock does not fail. Unless you completely destroy the knife, like sledgehammer, like like sledgehammer from over your head, right? Yeah. It is it is a brilliant design. Now, two, and I don't know if I'm giving away, you know, kind of my perspective as a maker, but like usually when these knives go together, you have to wire EDM all the parts to make sure that they're absolutely precise. You know, like like, like the wire EDM, the thirteen thousand volts in the wire that oh, yeah, vaporizes right. the steel as it goes around, cool leaving machine. leaving super perfect clear. You don't need to do that with this. Because it's self-adjusting, self-compensating. Because because the because the the entire thing is self self self-adjusting and self-compensating. All you need is a stop pin, and where exactly that lock decides to jam, because that's what it is. It's a wedge. Right. It where where it jams is just where it is. Yeah. And it is absolutely rock solid. So so you can use so so and this is just like a business side of this business side of things. You can use cheaper methods to cut out your parts. You can use more. You can use more generic parts with a little bit more wide open tolerances. Put the knife together, and it's rock solid off the start without doing a damn thing. And it's it's better than most finely tuned precision. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, people that spent you know a hundred times the price on this the parts to get it square. G Shock compared to Rolex. Is Seriously, what this is. like is it's what just it going to work every time and really well. Right. Yeah. Smash it with a hammer, run it over with your car. Yep. It's still the G Shock is still going to roll. Yeah, that's right. 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 I mean, but it doesn't have the gold inlay that the Rolex has. Exactly. Okay. Okay. We can, we can, we can accept that. <laughs> so it's like, so it's like every time I see the Axis lock, I'm reminded of that thing that Benchmade has achieved with that level of precision where it's just, from a business standpoint, brilliant. Well, it's Occam's razor, right? Absolutely. I mean, the, yeah. the simplest answer is most often the right one. Right. Yeah, you know right. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. No, 100% Occam's razor. I mean, Occam's razor, as far as knives go, that's the Benchmade Griptilian. There you go. A very comfortable handle. My wife actually carries one of these, and uh, <laughs> I cherry-picked it when Cabela's opened up in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I went, and I was like, oh, you have Griptilians, and they're short enough, the mini-grips, are short enough to fit in women's jean pockets, which oh, are that's really awesome. shallow. Yeah. So I made him pull every single one out of inventory, <laughs> and I went through and I picked the one with the best lockup and the best centering and all that. And she still carries it to this day. So yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, good move, Dad. Oh. Good move, man. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, moving on, moving on, and this is a really cool knife too. Oh. Oh. So this is the V forty two dagger. This was carried by the Devil's Brigade, First Special Forces, <laughs> which is a group yeah. of Canadians and Americans. And this really was the updated version of the Fairbane Sykes Commando Dagger. This right. is what can you possibly do to improve on that design? And they we, did a number of things. Oh yeah, they did a number of things. We might have actually talked about this in the Fairbane Sykes episode. I, I'm pretty sure I, we touched I'm on it. I don't think sure it's had did. a dedicated history, no. but I'm pretty sure we did touch on it. Right, wait, wait. There so, it is right there. Yeah. Number eight. Yep. Number eight. So uh, yeah, uh, Fairbane Sykes Dagger History, Social Media Etiquette, and Q&A. Number eight, check that out. I guarantee you we had talked about it yep. at that point because those two are so closely interlinked. Uh, they are, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Blade Runner when you said interlinked. <laughs> <laughs> the new one? Yeah. 
That was a great movie, though, right? That was awesome. 2049 was really, I don't want to go tangential on it, but I love that movie. As soon as you said Interlinked, it took me to that camera right Oh, right. I wanted to watch it. So good. All right. Um... Yeah, uh, black coating a handle made of compressed leather discs with that classic, classic pommel on the, the back skull end. Crusher pommel. The skull crusher this pommel. This is actually mm-hmm. the knife that is depicted on the U.S. Army Special Forces insignia. Right. I the oppressor lever. Yeah, right. like, so it's that- so iconic that it is on a patch that is federally issued. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was the knife of the first Special Forces. So yeah. it's it's really cool. It's steeped in history. Um, it has some really unique adaptations from the thumb grooves on the Ricasso to the leather backed double, tw- you know, uh, bent guard. Yeah. You know, it's so the, to the skull crusher pommel and the really long sheath that was meant to be yes. worn under a parka. So you can still retrieve the <laughs> knife with a long coat on. I mean, <laughs> insane. So definitely look that up. Um, the one depicted is a boker. Uh, I actually have that exact same knife in my knife chest right now. I, That's I, awesome. I love that knife. So, That's awesome. Maybe I should cool. experiment with that with a double, with a double, um, the, the 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 ribbon guard that's curved yeah. on the inside, and then a piece of leather right behind it. It's pretty cool. Or is that is that or is that cork? No, it's leather. It's leather. Yeah, okay, it's leather. It's leather. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Yep. <laughs> all right, moving on. So we're all the way all the way up to fourteen. We're we're yeah. yeah. This, is, this is actually our breaking point. Nice, knife. perfect. So so we're at the buck one nineteen special. Man, this is uh, one of one of history's most regarded um uh, fixed blade knives, and we're back to buck. Yeah, on this one. So, you know, of course. So, so we're talking about a, an amazing heat treat. We're talking about a great price point, and and we're talking about a classic design that everybody knows. Been around since 1942. Yep, yeah, I mean, I mean, so much so that there was a crappy horror movie made about it. Man, this I, was the <laughs> knife and scream. This, I think they actually did the, the 120. Yeah, it was a little bit longer, right? Yeah. But yeah, this is that knife that got stabbed through the bathroom stall, war, uh, stall, <laughs> you know, wall, yeah. and it is, it is a clip point fixed blade hunting knife and when i say those words this is the knife that you visualize in your mind that's what makes it iconic it just is that and i i this is another one that i need to get Mm -hmm. but i don't need the knife i think to round out my collection i need to have one Well, this this is one of the ones where you'd pick it up you'd immediately put it into into foam with a with a velvet backing and you'd frame it and put it in your wall oh you're way fancier than i am i'll be Uh, like this thing is sweet and it'll go in a giant round top (laughs) trunk that holds all my iconic knives yeah that's where it would go it's like let me take you down a stroll through history lane yeah and then and then matt opens up the chest and you know where it would sit jim where's that it would sit right next to knife number 15 which we will address after this short break What's happening, gang? Matt Martin with Behind the Blade Podcast, telling you about one of the favorite things that I have in my sharpening drawer, and it is a bench-sized nanocloth strop. And you're like, Matt, what the H is nanocloth? I will tell you what nanocloth is. Nanocloth is like a microscopic honeycomb, but instead of being filled with bee vomit, it's filled with diamond sauce. And so you put your CBN compound on there, and when you strop your knife, you're constantly revealing new layers of that diamond emulsion, and that's what allows you to get this consistent, imagine like a liquid diamond stone. That's basically what nanocloth is, and it's all these little hexagonal columns that fill up with all the goodness that perfectly and uniformly abrade your edge to that perfect scratch pattern up to a brilliant mirror that you can even see your own ugly mug in. So if you wanted to try out this fantastic space technology of diamond honeycomb, then I invite you to go to Jim. You can go to www.gendaindustries.com. J-E-N-D-E industries.com. Don't forget to use the promo code BTB Trench at checkout for ten percent off most sharpening products and stones. <laughs> and what a short break that was! We are back to talk about knife number fifteen on the top twenty most iconic knives still in production today, and it is one that is so dear to my heart. This is the venerable Gerber Mark II. Oh, fanfare, ticker tape, everything. God, I love this knife so much. 
<laughs> no, this is very, very cool. A style similar to the Fairbane Sykes dagger, which, which we covered and talked about earlier. But it's, it's, it's absolutely like a like a thin, comfortable, barrel-handled, slight palm swell, almost commando, almost commando dagger. Oh, it's, it's all commando. Oh, well, one hundred percent, right? It's yep. all it's all commando dagger. Yep. Right? It's all black and and uh, and uh, the slight serrations at the beginning and the usable part, you know. You know where um you know right 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 past it straight edge yeah the straight edge that's that yeah that's the term come on <laughs> Jim knows what he's talking I, about he just can't <laughs> articulate it right this very second yeah. <laughs> right I wish I could just project images into your mind the, the smooth <laughs> shiny <laughs> part head to end to there's the rough <laughs> stuff in the middle I almost said the s word <laughs> but I didn't <laughs> it's super cool so. I so, think we actually yeah. cover the entire history of the Gerber Mark II in Behind the Blade podcast, episode 18. Yes, sir. So, yeah, check that out if you want to hear the whole scoop. But, Jim, you this recently <laughs> came up in pop culture it, in your it, life. It did. It did. Okay, so um, I'm a huge Marvel fan, superhero fan, right? So when Netflix started coming out with Daredevil and Iron Fist and Luke Cage, I was all about it because I love the characters and I love the Defenders. What about Jessica Jones? You watch out. She's part of the Defenders. Okay. Je- Jessica okay. Jones was awesome. Okay, okay. Just, yeah, it was really good. It was really good. I can't get past the title screen. Oh, really? I, I, I oh, a, g- give it a, a chance. I'm like... Yeah, okay, so so Jessica Jones is way better than Iron Fist and Luke Cage, which which I'm going to say. So so Iron Fist was really, really bad, and I did not like it at all. I thought it was poor casting, poor cinematography, poor directing. It was like it was like Days of Our Lives went superhero oh. and, and teamed up with Netflix. Brutal. It was it was it was so bad. So but and season two was worse than season one. But I just finished season two. Because I'm a Marvel, I'm a Marvel fanatic, so I gotta know what's going on, right? It was so cheesy, oh, so bad. So there are two triad gangs in in this place where uh, where Danny Rand and his girlfriend Colleen are living, and they're two triad gangs, and they're trying to throughout the entire season they're trying to stop like an interwar between the two, and they're called the Tigers and the Hatchets. The Hatchets use like these these uh, these, these tomahawk things that. Hatchets, hatchets, yeah. they're, 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 to, to to intimidate their enemies, and the tigers. Every single one of them had a Gerber Mark II. Sweet. It was ever. It, it was the coolest thing about the whole episode for me. Was this? Was this fact? Every single one of them had like like an underarm mount under their jacket. Gerber Mark IIs that like confrontation would happen and and tensions would rise in a terrible way because it was a bad show. But <laughs> but they, but they would they would pop those out and be like shing and everything and they're like oh it's a Gerber Mark II. I'm like oh there's a Gerber Mark II. Oh that guy has two of them. That's awesome. And and uh, and I remember seeing that and that was. Probably the most exciting part of the entire show for me was so, the fact that they had Gerber Mark II's. Aliens, Under Siege, what's the show you were talking Iron Fist. Iron Fist. Iron yeah. Fist. I, I feel like there are a couple more, but I would say those are the three heavy hitters yep. where the Gerber Mark II has made its appearance on screen. Absolutely. There was a James Bond where the Gerber Mark I made its appearance. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a really iconic knife. Uh, it's steeped back in the history of Vietnam commandos. And if you guys want to hear the full scoop on that, go to episode 18 of Behind the Blade. And uh, it's just, it absolutely deserves to be on this list. I, I own one. I recently owned two until I uh, did some modifications on one and sold it. But uh, I love the one that I have. It's an L6 blade. And mm-hmm. it definitely belongs in that knife chest of iconic knives. That 100%. Yeah. And it's just cool looking. Yes. You, you, oh, like, like, when you get one, you'll be like, yeah. It just has this is it awesome. all. It, yeah. It's got knife appeal. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on. What else? All right. Number 16, good sir, is the Falkneven F1. Oh. This is a classic knife. It is It is one of those knives from, from especially from... I shouldn't say especially from Falcon. It sounds way worse than it actually is, but it's just a knife. It's a using knife. You put it in your hand and you're just like, I could do whatever I want with this. Zero curb appeal. It is not, I mean, it's not an unattractive knife in the way that like the Woodsman's Pal is an ugly <laughs> knife, but it has a bunch of function. Yeah. This just doesn't have any zazz to it whatsoever, but it's got nice clean lines. Mm-hmm. And like Jim said, it's pure function. And since 1995, this has been the Swedish Air Force official issue survival knife. They trust it that much. And it's lightweight. You guys have heard me yarn on about the S1, which is its slightly larger brother. Mm-hmm. So I think this absolutely, personally, I think the S1 needs to get them. But it, <laughs> the F1 is a different styling than the S1, yeah. which makes it unique. And because it's an official issued knife and because of its practicality and all the benefits that go with it, it definitely makes an iconic knife. Absolutely. Classic fault even uh, convex geometry. Yes. And and it is 100% knife the whole way. The, even the handle's comfortable, usable with gloves, usable without gloves, doesn't stick to your hand. I mean, it, there's there's a lot of pluses about the F1. And yep. I absolutely understand why it's on this list. Yeah, totally. So, 
All right, number 17. The, C- the Columbia River Knife and Tool, M16. Okay, uh, I just need to interrupt right now. I When people call it cricket, that sets me over the edge as much <laughs> as knives. <laughs> like, that when they're like, I got a cricket M16, and I'm like, <laughs> you can feel the tension it starts it just, in your chest yeah. it goes right to your adrenal glands it's just one of those things it's like when people call tattoo machines guns like it just it sets me to rights like it, it bothers me so much and I'm like it's Columbia River like you can call it or you can call it CRKT and call it Columbia River but when you say cricket, cricket. And, and they don't pronounce the T cricket you know, <laughs> it's just it's just a throat hiccup God, I, I just want to ask them a question yeah it's so, okay. <laughs> It, it bothers me. So anyways, Jim, carry on with the Columbia right. River Knife and Tool M16. Right. Knife maker Kit Carson himself was truly, truly a master of innovation and put tons of thought into his knives with the CRKT M16 is by far the most iconic of his creations. That was verbatim. It was verbatim because I was reading it directly <laughs> off the thing. Good job, man. <laughs> 1999 it came out. And uh, so so the article calls it relatively new, but it's it's quite a little ways from 1999. We're, we're 19 years almost. Yeah. 1999 was when The Matrix came out, Snatch came out, or no, that was 2000. It was, it was The Matrix that came out and The Phantom Menace was released in the theaters was 1999. So if you saw those in theaters way back then, think about how old you were then. That's how old this knife is. He he didn't look that up. He just knew that, guys. You should uh, there's a lot of respect that needs to be given because <laughs> Is that I, respectful? <laughs> I didn't know what movies came out in 99. Uh, well, there's iconic movies that yeah. you just well, I'm I'm a, I'm a cinephile, right? So that's just stuff that I pick up and I just knew that The Matrix was in 1999. The only thing that came out and, in 1999 in my mind is Michael Stipe from REM. <laughs> 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 Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> I made that up. I don't know if that's when, I don't even know if he's good. So, just, so it's a it's a tanto tipped tactical blade with with a beautiful handle and a flipper. And uh, Matt, you had you had another point about the flipper. I the, did. The Quillian. It'll be right after this belt. Excuse me. Um, I, I dug that one. I give it a four point three. <laughs> well, I tried to keep it subdued. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so the Carson flipper, you know, obviously was an innovation that now has come and gone into mass favor and out now people are grinding their flippers off i don't understand why yeah it makes a guard and you're like it's well, a quick deployment you know here's a here's jim's riot i don't know what model wave. says wave that's the name of the yep Riot oh, wave okay. mm-hmm. it's weird that it's a flipper called the wave but <laughs> <laughs> don't tell emerson no. <laughs> so the riot wave you know i i have no problem with flippers i think from a practicality standpoint they work so well yeah but the cool thing about the carson flipper on any of the cricket uh, and the Columbia <laughs> oh, River God. knives that have a double uh, guard, like a double Quillian guard, that top flipper, when it's deployed, when the blade's out, when it's in your pocket folded, that actually acts as an opening mechanism similar mm-hmm. but different for proprietary reasons than the Emerson Wave. Gotcha. So a, huh. a double Quillian Columbia River knife will actually open on deployment if you manipulate it appropriately. That's so, that's super cool. It is actually that's really cool. cool. And a lightweight, very functional knife. And these things are bomber. I know so many guys. I used to have one. I've had so many Columbia Rivers, and they really are. They're just great yep. knives. Yep. I think I even had one at some point. I think I think somebody gifted one to me for some point. I think it's floating around in either mine or my father's office somewhere. I got to right. dig it out. But it had a isn't the auto lock system? Yeah, it had an auto lock system, right? Yep. Yeah, where where you would just slide the thing forward or rotate it forward and it would engage and then it wouldn't open. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it yeah. takes a while to get used to doing that yeah. one hander. A lot of people would disable them because they couldn't get the motion down, but from the open position, if you with your index finger draw back towards the heel of the knife and then release the lock, it became like a fluid motion when yeah. I had it. Well, it, it, it bothered a lot of people. Well, yeah, that's just that's just that uh that uh what is it that uh um getting to know you period you know exactly. when you first get a knife i mean yep. you just you just adapt to it and then the next time you go to pick up the knife you just spend a little bit of time doing that and all of a sudden it becomes second nature i i agree 100 yeah. percent. and and uh i absolutely recommend you doing that that if you guys don't have a break in time when you're gonna get a first when you get a first knife develop one right now you will never regret it. 24 hours of tool yep. familiarization tool or weapon familiarization Th- there's the term right yep. there tool familiarization yep. Yep. so you, i mean you should spend 24 hours I, and i do this and maybe that's because i'm a nerd i don't really care um anything that i get whether it's a firearm or a knife or a tool and sometimes even as much as a backpack or a satchel or whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, i'll spend the first 24 hours with it so that i know it intimately so that i can grab it in the dark and I can use it. And it's not all because I want to fight the boogeyman. Sometimes you're camping and you're like, where's my lighter? It's in that pouch that I put things in. And I try to 
log that mentally so I can grab my stuff intuitively. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, I spend 24 hours with every new piece of kit I get minimum. That way I can be familiar with it and I can use it with at least some kind of familiarity. Right? Yeah, 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 totally. Effectiveness, yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. This one I'm sure a lot of you guys already have because I know that uh, my father had one actually uh, sitting in his, sitting in his, back when he had his 1995 Blazer. <laughs> Sitting in the center console for a long time, this Leatherman Wave. Oh, man. Iconic tool. Yep. Great multi-tool. And it's come with several different tools, several different varieties, a couple of different looks over a couple of different iterations. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right. I mean, they're, they're a well, lot more comfortable now than they used to be. Well, and the, you know? le- the Leathermen themselves have been around since the 70s. Oh, yeah. And I think we sure. even touched sure. on that. My grandfather has an original Leatherman in the, the glove compartment of his pickup truck. Oh, that's cool. Did I Sorry, tell you yeah. about that? No, you didn't. No, I oh. didn't know anything about it. So uh, Chester Adams, he's now passed away. He was a firefighter that uh, was on my grandfather's crew. He was mm-hmm. a uh, he retired a captain of a ladder company okay. uh, after 30 years. But uh, Chester was a knife nut and really cool guy. Gave me my first Swiss Army knife champion mm-hmm. and also gave me and my grandfather at the same time Leatherman tools. That's awesome. And this is in like 80. Four, right. 83. I mean, this is like Gen 1 Leatherman production level. And mine, because I was five, <laughs> you know what I mean, or whatever, <laughs> is now long gone. But my grandfather still has his That's awesome. in the glove box of his 1981 pickup truck. Oh. And I, I keep like, I don't need it. I'm not in a hurry to get it. But I know there's going to come a day when I do get it. Mm-hmm. And because it's been used so little... It's like a time capsule. Yeah. And it's just a perfect <laughs> brand new Leatherman from 1980s. <laughs> and so it's, it, so the wave is kind of the modern adaptation. Obviously, it's more comfortable. When it's closed, you can deploy the knives. I carry a charge, mm-hmm. uh, titanium or whatever. But oh, yeah, uh, it's got the pocket clip on it, right? Your charge? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah which yep, is I've a drop in feature. You can which buy is cool. it for six oh, yeah. bucks and yeah. put it on. Uh, but I, the wave I actually bought for my cousin many years ago when she, she was an avid backpacker and nobody else in the family wanted a spring for this kind of expensive multi-tool. <laughs> and I found one on the secondary market through a homie hookup and I got that for her. And I remember being like the hero of Christmas over the Leatherman <laughs> Wave. So that's my only experience with one. I've actually never owned one. I've only had the charge. And before that was all Gerber multi-tools. That's awesome. Yeah, I had a Gerber multi-tool. That was actually my first multi-tool. Was the, was before the Gerber. you went to the dark side with your Victorinox Swiss tool. I love this tool. I don't care that nobody likes it. <laughs> all right, all right, let's move on. We've got two more beautiful knives here. Number 19, according to the list, is... It sounds like that. It sounds just like that, is the Spyderco Military, oh. the original military. Four-inch blade on this thing. Beautiful lines on the handle, too. Actually, I really like the look of this knife. You like the look of I it? I do like, I don't the, like look the look of it. The only think... spider coil I like the look of is the Ed Shemp Persian. That's it. The rest <laughs> of them, I love the knives. Right. They're butt ugly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the military, the, the paramilitary, two oh. and three, all have the same kind of motif to it. And uh, and for me, I don't know, something just speaks to me about it. I mean, I love I love, uh, I love, love kind of everything about the knife. I think it's pretty cool. That was the, mm-hmm. the first spider coil that I fell in love with. Um, I had some issues with Spydercos in the past and then I got in trade a military. Right. Yeah. And I was like, this thing is so friggin' ugly. And I, <laughs> and I said, I don't like it. It's too big. It's too this. It's too that. And so what I did, I said, but it is light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. S30V blade. It doesn't weigh anything. I'm going to throw out my camping gear. Sure. And I remember being in the headwaters of the Colorado River in just swim trunks and like Tiva sandals or whatever. <laughs> and this thing was clipped inside of my swim trunks mm-hmm. and I didn't even know it was there. It's a four inch blade. Yeah, it's huge. So the whole camping trip, I'm just using this Spyderco military. And then, then a star was born. And then I kind of discovered the paramilitary. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is... I'm holding one in my hand. You're holding a PM2, right? Too, right? Like right hold on, now. Hold on. I have to I have to go get mine because I think mine is here too. I've got there you a, go. yeah, I got a PM2 yeah, and M4. <laughs> I just I love this knife. I love the military. I don't have a military anymore. I'll probably pick one up, but I feel like I represent the icon in the PM2, the paramilitary, and I just this is anytime that I'm carrying something other than my Spyderco paramilitary, it's because I want to feel fancy. <laughs> that's it that's all it is i'm like i'm gonna carry my gotcha. sabenza today gotcha. i want to feel fancy because it looks nicer yeah, it, but it, it, but but this is a 100 functional knife it's oh <laughs> I, I, it's my favorite pocket mm-hmm. knife i mean it really is my all-time favorite pocket knife yep no i probably but it, it ranks up there pretty high with me because i've got two of these oh. 
and then both of them are in special steals. I think the one that I'm holding right now in Ghost Green Jade handles and a black blade is in CPM M4, Ooh. and I've got an M390 blade. Almost cut my headphone cable. That <laughs> would have been hilarious. <laughs> oh, <laughs> break, break out the solder, Matt. All right, just so you guys know, uh, so I was closing <laughs> my my the spider co and my headphone cable had come in contact with the handle and it got caught on like uh the rear pinky choil if you want to call it that <laughs> and as i was closing the blade i almost guillotined my head they're not cheap headphones <laughs> i would have been pretty upset like, like, if I no! just did that. Yeah. <laughs> oh i'm so glad nothing happened yeah that <clears throat> so close so, uh, no, no, Matt and I would agree with this uh, this knife being on this list and all of the other knives that came um, from its inspiration. From the line. Yep, from the line. So, the last knife is a knife that Matt and I have always recommended both together on the show and independently to other yes. people is Mora Knives of Sweden. I mean, you want to talk about a $12 knife that you could build a cabin with? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's man. the one, yeah. And, and these things are totally cool. Online somewhere, there is a, like, kind of like a factory walkthrough. Video. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, where it shows where it shows um, how the blades are extruded oh. through through the thing. Yeah, so so this entire shape where you've got the flat part of the blade and the edge, yeah. and then um, that shape goes all the way through the tank. Oh, just no, because of the extrusion. Yeah, just because sense. of the extrusion. Yeah. So you've got the extrusion that comes through, and then and then and then, um, um, well, anvil heads or or presses come down just behind it, and then it clips it off, and then that's the blade. Crazy. And then and then it gets and then it gets it gets forged this way. Oh, I have to watch that. That sounds yeah. super interesting. No, it, it's pretty cool. It's it's a bunch of automated forging, and then on top of that, they've got the the rubber the rubberized um, handle that go on right behind it. It's an unfortunately comfortable grip because it, the right. handle looks like something. Uh, like a toy you would hand a toddler. Yes, it, it, it's yeah. really obtuse looking. It's not very refined. And then when you put it in your hand, you're like, "Was this made by biologists?" Like it, it just <laughs> fits into your hand better than most handles Absolutely. you'll ever hold. Yeah, Absolutely. Now they do. They do also have more expensive, other than just the basic like champion. They they do or, or the companion. Yeah. I mean. Um, yeah, they, they have, they've started experimenting with different steels and more power to them. Absolutely. Because it is a fantastic knife. But I think some of the allure is in that $12 can what? do anything knife. Like I yeah. have a hard time paying a hundred dollars for a Mora. Right. Now I yeah. had a Mora Bushcraft Black, which I really liked. I ended up giving it to a buddy of mine. I I'll probably get another one. Don't ask me why. Like I need another Bushcraft knife or whatever, <laughs> but it is a sweet knife. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, they they do get up in the hundred hundred dollar plus, you know. They and do. I I think that that I think to me that knocks down some of the allure of the basic twelve dollar more knife because it's such a capable blade. Yeah, just just on its own. I mean that I don't think that it takes away from it. I think that it uh, that um, you can see more uh, getting into the the higher end market for sure by having the more expensive steels. And of course, they're going to be great knives because they're constructed exactly the same. Because the knife for twelve dollars works amazingly well. If a so, more was going to be over a hundred bucks, I would like to see guards, bolsters, and stack leather. <laughs> you, I hear you. you know yeah, I, mean? yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Be, yep. That would be where I where I hang out. Yep, yeah. I absolutely understand that. But uh, but yeah, that's all of them, man. That's all twenty. One episode, twenty beautiful knives, iconic for knife. your consideration. I hope you guys enjoyed this. We had a lot of fun. We were excited about this project. It's kind of a special edition episode as we get ready for Thanksgiving, twenty eighteen. And we wanted to share with you guys this article and our opinions and all these knives, which they all registered on our radar as iconic knives. Yeah. So we agreed with it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, hope you guys had fun. And uh, odd change of events. This is Matt Martin signing off for James Tiberius Stewart. And we will talk to you guys in two weeks. 